0: To this week in fantasy.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: No, not that kind of fantasy. A little more nerdy, a little less sexy. I mean, is there any doubt that Superman wouldn't be the greatest fantasy baseball player in the world? That's the ticket. That's right what's going on bgn radio it is time for another episode of this week in fantasy and we are gathering the finest minds that i could fit in one bedroom and we are uh, here to talk about fantasy football obviously and off to my left here is James Zelter from rotowire.com, 97.5 Fnatic,
1: BGN Radio. You have too many damn titles. John, you can't fit me in one room is the beautiful thing. <laughs> At least all my titles, and okay. I'll take that. I'm not fat or anything. You
0: know, I was, was <laughs> going to say, if we went to the scales, I believe I would win that contest. And, uh,
1: uh, uh, you know, I'm, it, I'm not necessarily thin, but not fat. I'm right in that, that, that nice middle range. I'm svelte, you the, might say. The cushy. You're in the cushion. Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, I'm I'm lovable,
0: Johnny. Nice. nice, that's beautiful. And another lovable man, all the way from Chicago, Illinois, FF Toolbox's own Mr. Tony Caselli. What's going on, Tony? Hey, buddy, how you doing? Good, good. Now, what you might be hearing is like, oh, they're all together. In actuality, we couldn't get James and Tony together on the in the same hour of the show. So what we did was just kind of split it up, and uh, they can't respond to one another. But hopefully, we can piece it all together, and you'll still have some great information and, and and john john can we can we clarify it was all tony's fault <laughs> it was what's tony's fault that's what happens when you have children and real jobs it's just you know you got a uh it's bummer but anyway guys let's just get into it here the um just a couple of notes and things that haven't kind of going around oakland the death chart uh excuse me the depth charts have been uh, kind of out and you can kind of take that any which way uh chip kelly said today that they don't matter and the PR guy did it <laughs> or some people actually really
1: actually, chip actually went so far as to say that Derek Boyko, uh, head of PR when he put the depth chart together. I thought that was a, a pretty funny line from the chipster,
0: uh, in Oakland. I think the coaches actually do the depth chart out there. And there was a couple of different things that uh, we saw, uh, Andre Holmes named us the number one, wide right receiver. Raise your hand. If you've heard that name before, Okay, good. Nobody's hands are up. Uh, Tony, any insight on that? There's been a couple of people that's saying, you know, uh, Andre Holmes could be a number one wide receiver sleeper this year, but to me, it just looks like a practice squad type of guy.
2: Yeah, I know about as much about Andre Holmes as anybody else, which means not very much. Although I do know that he had a really good end to last year. He had 366 yards uh, massed up in the last couple of games. Uh, so they do like him. And I do think he's going to be more than a practice squad guy. So he may actually, you know, at some point land on that first team. But, you know, like you were saying, we also know that uh, these these first depth charts are not meaningless but in the neighborhood of meaningless they you know they spend a little you know uh, money to get james jones and i would be surprised if he does not end up on the first team uh it seems like it would be a, uh, another one of those raiders moves where they pick somebody up and then decide that it's not working out right away it, it would just be another yeah. disaster they're gonna they're gonna have him in the in the starting lineup he's gonna definitely get out there um that being said andre holmes is Sure, he's somebody to take a look at, but not until really late in your drafts. I mean, you know, who's going to throw him the ball, and in which Matt Schaub will it be? And if it isn't Matt Schaub, okay, it'll be Derek Carr, and he's a rookie. And how you know much faith are we going to put in him? So yeah, you want to you want to you know stash Andre Holmes in your you know deep dynasty leagues? Sure, in your redraft leagues, I think he's a perfect fit for your 17th pick overall.
1: (laughs) Exactly right. John, I could tell you that he went to Hillsdale College. How about that? D three school. Um, now, here's the thing about Holmes. He's a big target. I think he's six four. Uh, has been very impressive so far in camp. Everything you read about Raiders camp is Andre Holmes this, Andre Holmes that. Not that we in Philly can relate to that. <laughs> Jordan Matthews, Not at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, apparently the kid's been great in camp. I, I, to be honest, I, this is my my qualifier. I'll say it once now, and, and it can last for the whole of the podcast. I put literally, just like Chip Kelly, uh, zero stock into pre-preseason depth charts. <laughs> they mean absolutely nothing to me. Uh, but from what I did see of Holmes last year, the couple times I saw him uh, towards the end of the season when he got a chance to kind of contribute... You look good, man. Like you look like he could play. I, I certainly don't think that he's gonna be any superstar. I think the fact that he has Matt Chubb throwing him the ball is certainly gonna hinder any type of success he can have. So I don't think that if you're looking in standard leagues, ten ten team leagues, you know, especially ten team leagues, but twelve team leagues even, I think Andre Holmes is nothing better than a, a late, late round flyer. I'm talking like, you know, last two rounds of the draft type of flyer. Uh, But if you're talking about, you know, 16, 18, 20-team formats, even 14-team formats, you know, he seems like the kind of guy who might be worth a shot. I think he's going to get targets. He's going to get a chance to put up some points. So, you know, eh, not the worst sleeper in the world, but but certainly not someone to target in a 10- or 12-team league. And staying in Oakland, guys, there is,
0: I guess, a little bit of a surprise that MJD is over DMC out there. You're kind of used to, it's It's weird to kind of see that combo because you're not used to either one of them splitting carries. I don't know what to make of it. I mean, it seems like that they really want, or at least it's been said that MJD is the better inside runner. He will probably be there on third downs. I don't really know if it's a, it's a handcuff type of situation. It's more of a poor man's. Fred Jackson, CJ Spiller, but what do you make of that?
2: uh It's hard to think of these guys in terms of handcuffs when you don't know who's going to be the guy. Yeah, it might be MJD right now uh, just because of his pass-catching ability. Maybe they want to get him in space a little bit. Um, But I wouldn't consider one a handcuff to the other because you won't know who to start in any given week. Uh, and again, they're going to be both playing in this offense that is not that exciting. Yeah, you want to put one of them on your team. I have MJD ranked a little bit ahead of Darren McFadden, but uh, it you know this isn't this isn't last year's Ray Rice Bernard Pierce. This isn't Carlos Hyde and Frank Gore. This isn't a handcuff situation. This is if you want to take a chance on one of them, go ahead. But if you're wasting two roster spots on two Oakland running backs, your team's going to have some trouble.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good way to put it. I, I think that. Look, I think the NFL is kind of moving as a whole towards, you know, a lot of these kind of split, sp- you know, split backfield type of things where you're going to see kind of more of a 50-50, 60-40, 70-30 type of split between backs in a in a two-back system. So, so this didn't surprise me at all, especially when you're talking about a guy like McFadden who's literally never stayed healthy in his entire career. Uh, so I think that the Raiders are going to try and do anything they can to try and keep McFadden healthy trying, you know, limit the carries a little bit, especially because McFadden is explosive. He is the kind of guy who can, you know, he's so big and strong and yet fast that he can kind of take off and and break a tackle or two and be gone for 80 yards. So this doesn't surprise me at all. I I actually kind of agree with the decision. I would make MJD the every down guy. He's proven that he can do that, you know, on the NFL level with the Jaguars. So I I have no problem with this. I actually think it's a good thing for Honestly, I think it's a good thing for McFadden's, uh, you know, value this year i think that maybe who knows i mean i i won't believe that mcfadden will stay healthy for a season until it actually happens but i think the idea of splitting the carries and maybe giving him you know 35 40 percent of the carries might actually be a really good thing for him also reading just some camp
0: notes here um you know kenny Britt looking a little rejuvenated says that know the change of scenery and him being back with uh, jeff fisher's really kind of helped him out his ADP I've been looking at a couple of different things is anywhere from about four the 14th or 15th round which is almost like undraftable at that point I don't know why you wouldn't just pick up a flyer if that's happening but do you expect that to rise up as kind of we get into the preseason games here
2: it's you know it's hard to say because he's rising up my ADP but you know you you gotta you gotta sort of test the waters you start talking to some people you hang out at the bars and you ask what people think you know half the people are surprised he's playing football still the other half think he's in jail a lot of people <laughs> think that he doesn't have any knees left and the fact is his knee is healed he seems to be on the straight and narrow and we hope he is and he's in a an offense with hopefully a healthy sam bradford i think he's actually due for a pretty good year he's always had the physical talent that was never a problem You know, I I expect him to move up my board, but you sort of have to, I think you could still get him at a pretty good bargain because people aren't paying attention to him.
0: Uh, Moving from St. Louis, actually, to Cleveland, Mr. James Zeltzer, there's, I mean, obviously Tony does not have the power to shrink a deadline for an arbitration hearing, but um, let's just say that Gordon does get the full year or the reduced or whatever ends up happening. Miles Austin... Always this type of thing where you're just like, uh, I guess it was a sexy name at one point, a little over the hill, and injury prone. What do you make of his potential in Cleveland if he's the number one guy?
1: Yeah, I think the key thing you said there was injury prone, and uh, I guess on on Pro Football Talk today, they reported that there's a chance that Gordon's suspension will be eight games as kind of a way for Cleveland and the league to kind of come to a an agreement there a settlement as it were we'll see what happens i think it could be 16 i think it'd be eight you know the whole the whole thing is a draconian policy to begin with so we won't we won't get into that uh but as far as austin goes i'm one of those guys who's always been irrationally in love with miles austin's talent i've always liked him i've always i mean i've owned miles austin too many times um but, you know, he just honestly, the next time Miles Austin saves on the field for a full season will be the first time. Uh, so for me, as I really love his talent, I think especially as a number one guy there, I like Brian O'Rear and, and I'm a Manziel guy, too. I think that either of those guys can have some success, granted, with some interceptions and some mistakes along the way, uh, but... I do like Austin's potential there. I just, for me, I just don't see him staying on the field no matter what happens. He's going to pull a hamstring. He's going to hurt his calf. He's going to, you know, what something is going to happen to keep Miles Austin off the field. And for that reason, I can't rate him too highly. Sure, as a sleeper in the later rounds, absolutely take a chance on him because if it's that miracle year, if for some reason he starts drinking smoothies and you know, even though Chip Kelly's not in Cleveland, he finds a way to buy into Chip Kelly's sports science. You know, if he can find a way to stay healthy, he is absolutely worth the risk. It's just, I I don't believe he's going to stay healthy is what it comes down to. I like that you said worth the risk because I didn't
0: quite get in this with Tony, but it's some of the things I've been thinking about. I'm thinking about Carolina, and I, I, I have an obsession with them this year just because I don't think they're going to be good, and I'm trying to figure out who is going to be good there. I know that people are still up and really love Cam Newton, and I do too. I think he's a great quarterback. I think for fantasy purposes he's great. Do you get the sense, James, that people are kind of downplaying the surgery that he had and the impact that it had on his ankle or foot or whatever it ends up being? I just I feel like he's not going to be already there ready to go, and with all the new kind of developments they have with the offense and tacking something together, is that is there somewhat of a risk going with Cam Newton this year?
1: Yeah, I think you hit on it there with the second part of of what you said. And and it's funny because when we heard about the Cam Newton injury, they were talking about him not being ready for camp, him not being ready for the preseason, and and it does seem like he's healed relatively quickly. But – I think the bigger issue for Cam is, is just the lack of weapons around him. Uh, you know, I know everyone's talking about Calvin Benjamin and everyone's saying this guy is, has in, the next pass he drops and Campbell be his first and blah, blah, blah. And, and working with Ricky Pruhl and Mike Shula is the perfect situation for this guy. And that all might be true. But you know what? He's still a rookie wide receiver in a in a – in a league where rookie wide receivers really don't succeed that often. And, you know, other than a guy who we might talk about later, who I think we're both pretty high on, uh, a, a young man who plays uh, for the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> uh, I just, I'm not a rookie receiver kind of guy. It's hard for me to buy in that they're going to be a. Look, I think they can help a team. Like, I think Jordan Matthews is going to be a, a piece on the Eagles' offense this year, and he's going to make plays and, and help the team as a whole move forward. But I don't think he's going to be a fantasy superstar. And, and I think the same thing about Calvin Benjamin. And the real problem in Carolina is they're relying on Calvin Benjamin to be the star of the yeah. offense from a weapons perspective and that that just doesn't do it man i just i'm much more where i think cam health wise he from what i've heard he looks okay i think he's gonna be okay i think the much bigger issue is is throwing the ball to to kelvin benjamin and then who's their second receiver jason avon i think in philadelphia we all know what jason avon is super nice guy great hands maybe the slowest receiver in the nfl right now so you know, it's just I don't see them being a, a threat on offense. I think we both agreed when we've talked about it on the Shout Out to BGN Radio uh, podcast when we were talking about the season. I think we both agree that Carolina is one of our uh, reverse sleeper teams and yeah. that we both think that they're going to they're gonna drop out of the playoffs this year. Uh, I, I think that's the bigger issue for Cam. I think Cam is still Cam. I think that health-wise, even if he's maybe not quite 100% once the season gets going – He's a freak. I mean, athletically, physically, he's a freak of nature. I think he'll be okay. I think the much bigger issue is he just doesn't have anyone out there who can help him.
0: And that, and it's just thinking about it, I know Carolina has a great defense. And I don't know. I even think that there might be a regression there as well. So. I would I would. Let... How
1: could there not be? They were about yeah. as good as you could possibly expect yeah, them to be
0: last year. absolutely. And then the
1: whole Greg Hardy thing was a big part of their defense. You know, everyone talks about the Ray Rice thing. The Greg Hardy thing has kind of flown under the radar. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, Question marks going on with that Carolina team this year? Yeah, absolutely. It's just one thing. It's one thing that it's kind of be.
0: I would say be very cautious on drafting anything revolving around there. And uh, speaking of, I agree. Stayaways and things like that. We are definitely going to talk running backs for the rest of the show. Um, there, we do as well. We should, John. Yes, it's the it's one of the most, if not the it's most, the, important the life. Positions. It's the lifeblood of fantasy. It is. It is indeed. And we did have a Twitter question. Shout out to Dan Schmidt from. Uh, sons of the spectrum are good man great hockey follow great uh, baseball follow loves all philly sports if you guys are into that so uh he wanted to know and it's it's a pretty straightforward question but he's got obviously you know ap mccoy and charles are one two and three in no particular order who do you guys consider the you know the fourth overall back solid i think it's uh, we'll, we'll let tony chime on on this one do you think that there is Any doubt it's anyone other than Matt Forte?
2: Well, being a and it makes it a little bit easier. I'm sort of conflicted, actually, because in a PPR league, uh, for me, I think Matt Forte is definitely the guy. He's going to have a ton of catches. He's going to get a ton of work. uh, And the defenses are going to go spread themselves out, trying to cover those gigantic wide receivers. And hopefully tight end if he can get himself back in camp and stop throwing people to the ground. I'm thinking Matt Forte for the PPR leagues, although I am... Pretty high on Eddie Lacy in standard yeah, leagues. Yeah, a lot of you know, people are. Yeah, he's, he's he's you know Green Bay guy, so he's a, a natural rival of mine. But uh, look, he's gonna score a lot of touchdowns, in this he's a beast. He's a big guy, you know, and he catches you know he gets two catches a game you know, or so on average, it might go up a little bit, but he's not, you know, he's not a PPR monster like uh, Forte is, but this guy's going to get his yards. He's definitely going to get his touches. He had, you know, he was getting uh, on his way to 300 touches last year and that was his rookie year. So he's going to definitely get his touches and he's going to get his touchdowns. So standard leagues definitely have my eyes on Eddie Lacey.
1: Uh, Not only do I think it's Matt Forte. I think that Matt Forte is closer to those three than whoever you want to put in that five spot is to Forte, Uh, whether it's PPR or standard. And obviously in PPR Forte is, is a monster, but just across the board, especially in the Mark Trestman offense, uh, I I don't see how you could even argue that anyone could go over Forte. I know you're not that high on Eddie Lacey. I actually think Eddie Lacey is going to be pretty good this year. I, Uh, You know, you hear it all the time. It's a quote-unquote old adage that the biggest step that running backs take is from year one to year two. And Eddie Lacy obviously did some amazing stuff in year one. I think the fact that offense is so talented from a weapons perspective, I I do think Eddie Lacy is going to be good, and I think I I get why a lot of people have him as number five on their board. But I don't think Eddie Eddie Lacy is anywhere near Matt Forte. Like, I I, I think Forte is a lot closer to Charles – LaShawn and AP than he is to Lacey in that five spot personally.
0: And with talking with Tony, I actually I'm going to get into the, the second and third tier guys here because we have we have a board in front of us that we've been looking at for a little bit and we're just trying to decide what's the best kind of take out of here. I know Tony loves this guy. I actually think Le'Veon Bell the more I see him develop I didn't realize that he had dropped
2: I'm gonna tell you Le'Veon Bell is gonna have a monster season he you know I don't want too many people to know about it because he's gonna be on any of my teams and I don't want anybody to bump that uh auction price of him too high for me, but I am a big fan of Le'Veon Bell this year. I think he's going to have a ton of catches. He's going to be a beast around the goal line. He's going to get a ton of work, and he's going to have a breakout season. Next year, he's going to be a top five drafted running back.
1: And I could see that. I could see that. I, I, I'm with you. Go ahead. I, I just re- I really like Le'Veon Bell a lot. Yeah,
0: I, I don't think he finishes any worse than six or seven. At, at worst. I mean, when you shed weight and go to 220, I'm, we're seeing it right now in Eagles camp with LaShawn McCoy. You know, dropping 5 to 10 pounds looks even better. Everybody says he's the best player on the field. I I, I think that Le'Veon Bell is an absolute steal right now, guys. And, uh, James, do you, I mean, like, in the second tier, let's just say, um, I don't know. Who, who, is, who do you think right now has an ADP that's way too high? And who do you think some guys are just to completely stay away from right now?
1: Well, well, real quick, uh, we forgot to mention Marshawn. Obviously, Marshawn came into camp soon enough. I don't think anyone's worried about the holdout or anything like that, so Lynch obviously has to be considered in that top five, top six range as well, but sure. uh, John, you and I are of the same mind. I, I love Le'Veon Bell this year. I think Pittsburgh is going to be more committed to running the ball. I-, I think if you look at the last five, six games of the last season, he really seemed at his stride. I think he had uh, you know four touchdowns in the last three games. Um, really seemed at his stride, and I know LeGarrette one is a backup there, but I just really like Le'Veon Bell. I'm with you there. I think he's, I think he's fit. I, I think the line will be a little bit better. I, I think that with the loss of Emmanuel Sanders, I think they're going to try and uh, focus on the run game a little bit more. So I am a Le'Veon Bell fan as well. Um, but in terms of guys who I, I look at as being a little overrated, uh, look, I know he's the running back in Denver. I know he was good in college, but I'm sorry, I'm not taking Monty Ball anywhere in the top 10, 12 of running backs. It just doesn't make any sense to me. There's a guy who has done zero on the NFL level, and when he has done anything, he's fumbled the football. Uh, you know, there's a guy who couldn't beat out Noshaw Moreno last year, and and I think LaShawn McCoy has showed us what kind of running back uh, Noshaw Moreno is. <laughs> so I, I just I don't get the Monty Ball love. Uh, I get that there, there's talent there, and I get that, yes, in that offense, you pretty much want anyone you can get. But, but if you didn't like him enough, he's got an appendix now. He's out till the, till the start of the season, essentially. Ronnie Hillman, at least with the chance to, to show that he deserves to get some touches. I just think this Monty Ball thing is blow, being blown way out of proportion here.
0: Yeah, I actually agree with you. And that's uh, yeah, that's one of the guys I didn't add to my list, but he would definitely be there. I mean, I don't know how you can go from... Uh, I know a bunch of guys in a bunch of different leads took him real high last year because he thought he would eventually take over. And it didn't happen.
1: And it didn't happen. And now this year, people are rating him even higher.
0: I was like what, like, "What are you guys doing? Calm down. Let's see." I mean, like the, the the fact that he can't do. I mean, it sucks that he's had the appendicitis issue. But if you can't, if you can't show me during the preseason, and you expect to put all that faith in in a week one start
1: with no like preparation forget it especially when he hasn't shown that he can be a back out of the backfield I mean no Sean could catch the ball uh you know this is a a pass first offense I think we all know that we can all see that I think look if you want to tell me take Demarius Thomas high, take Wes Welker high, take Julius Thomas high. sure I'm all for that but uh the the taking Monty Ball high thing just it's it does it doesn't compute for me John
2: uh Mr. Tony Casale who are you staying away from well, there's there's not too many of them on the on these upper tiers. Obviously, we talked about people like MJD and, and you know right. and anybody who's hanging out in Oakland is a stay away. Uh, in the second tier, I'm pretty happy with most of the guys. The you know one of the guys that makes me a little bit nervous is Demarco Murray for the price that he's going for. You know, he, I'm just not sure that he can stick around for 16 games. He has his, you know, every year misses his two to four games and it just makes, it just makes me, he makes me a little bit nervous and they're going to still throw the ball there. They're always throwing the ball. Uh, the fourth quarter, DeMarco Murray simply might not touch the ball if they don't have the lead. So I'm a little bit hesitant on him, uh, at least for where he's going. Uh, that make puts him in my stay away category. Uh, I feel kind of the same way about Arian Foster, wherever he, you know, he's going in this mid second round, early third round. I just feel like I can get better value at those places. Do I think they're going to have bad seasons? No. But do I think they're getting drafted where they belong? Not for me.
0: And I know where oh, the three of us are going to all do Well, it's going to be a two on one here, but the, the other guy that's I have real close to money ball is Toby Gerhardt folks. I mean, A third round, you know, low, low second, high third round ADP. Come on, guys. Let's let's just hold on a sec. Let me just get this out and then you can totally rebut this. But the 300 carries thing is a total fallacy. All right. I doubt. I mean, I see I see 15 a game and that's right around that range. Let me tell you something about the Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line. It's still not good. It's not good. It's, it's bad. Good. It's bad. I'll give you that. Uh, it's a bad offensive. It's, it, they've only got two starters right now. Ex- so Exactly. And the interior lines get, I mean, that's going to take a while to kind of group together and get something that's forming unless a miracle happens, which it might. And, you know, it, it becomes uh, more uh, continuous. Is that a word? I just made it up. Sure. It's not, but I like, I like it. <laughs> you know, it's a guy, I understand he can catch a ball. There's a rookie quarterback that's in there with no t- I just don't see it. They're n- they're going to be down in games, guys. I know Gus Bradley likes to run the ball. His defense is gr- you know, hopefully will be eventually great. I am a big fan of what they're doing down there. It's too early. It's too early for that and I just don't I don't see him being a completely solid running back too this year and I I take that back. Yes I do, but not in the late second or third round. I'd rather go CJ Spiller. I'd rather go Frank Gore. Uh, you know,
1: and I would too. Here's the thing, John. Let me let me jump in here. I I I actually I came into this thinking I was going to be a little bit more bullish on uh, on Gerhard than I am. I, I like Gerhart. Look, the guy averaged 7.9 yards per carry last year. Obviously, that's in fill-in work and in second-team work, uh, but that's special. That's something you know that that not a lot of people have done. But I'm, the more I think about it, the more I think about that Jacksonville offensive line and how putrid it is, and the whether it's Chad Henney or Blake Bortles or whatever they're going to do at quarterback, I'm with you. I think I really liked – it's almost this thing where I had in my head that I'm going to like Toby Gerhardt this year. I like that he's got a chance. He's going to be a starter. And then I go into draft season, and I see where the guy's rated and where the guy's going in drafts, and I'm like, whoa. All let right, right, let's, let's – <laughs> Let's tone it down here, you know. So, so I actually do agree with you. I, I, I like Gerhardt. I really do. I just, I think you're right. I think he's being slightly overdrafted. I, I think that he's not a running back too. He's a, a flex guy who you get yeah. and you feel awesome about. So, yeah, I, I, think you're right. I think that makes a big difference.
0: And it's the same with. Uh, That's the thing you got to be careful about. If you fall in love with a player, you're going to end up reaching for him, and then it's just going to be bad. It's going to be bad. It's just like any other normal GM draft. If you fall in love with one certain guy and you want him to be good and in your head, and then it becomes a battleground of like, no, he's going to be good. Uh, and then, you know, your, your season's got a big, big, big hole in it, but
1: want, real quick, before we get off this one, sure. guy I do like that that you mentioned that I think is being undervalued is Alfred Morris. I, I think this guy is yeah. just consistent. I think he's someone who you can look when you're taking a, your first four round picks, especially in fantasy football, you know, fantasy baseball, other sports, you can kind of get by missing on an early round pick because there are so many positions and there are so many different things that can go into what's going to happen at the end of a season. But in fantasy, football you really need to nail those early picks you need to take someone who you know is going to contribute for you someone who is not going to submarine your season and i think alfred morris is that type of guy he's someone who he might not be the sexiest name he might and obviously for ppr he doesn't catch a ton of passes but he's someone you can rely on i he's he just seems like he you know obviously it's only been two seasons but I feel like you're gonna get your bang for your buck when you take Morris. He's not gonna win you your league, but he's really not gonna lose it for you.
0: Yeah, and I feel that I, a guy that's very close to him, in fact, on on this on the list I'm looking at, he's right below him. Zach Stacy's another guy that's I won't say underrated, but a guy that's just kind of forgotten about because it's not the sexiest name. And there there could be some changes going back in the backfield of St. Louis and all that stuff. But absolutely, Al, Alfred Morris, especially if you're in a standard league, is a, a dynamite no miss. Um, and
1: and real quick before we get off the guys not to take I, I know you're in agreement with, with me here but I, sure. I feel and even though it seems obvious we can't not say that that Arian Foster is one of those guys uh, mm-hmm. look he's already he's already got hamstring issues he is not playing yeah. in the first preseason game because he's got hamstring issues it's a guy who missed half of last season he played eight games last season I I know the talents there but Gary Kubiak has gone it's not the same type of you know running game offense that it was before and, and while I like Bill O'Brien i i would not consider taking arian foster as one of the i think the thing i'm looking at has him ranked seventh i've seen him anywhere up to tenth. uh for me he's he's not in the top 10 i'm sorry
0: no and especially when he comes out and i can't remember how long the interview was but you know contemplated retirement Eh, yeah i'm I'm definitely staying away from him and tone's in agreement that was well um before we get going, guys, uh, I know that we, we threw a lot at you, and it was good. We had a lot of good conversation. Running back is the most important part here, and that we want to. We'll probably get into it more uh, as the tiers go down because there's a couple of guys that we're still not sure on the even on the third and fourth tiers, and maybe there's some home run hitters that are kind of hanging out. and We'll get the sleepers going as well. Um, once again, you can always our Twitter page is up, James. Did you know this, Tony? Twitter I did.
1: I, I just followed it. I am pumped about it. This week in fantasy,
0: baby. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, uh, just any fantasy questions? More than happy to take them. BGN underscore twiff. T uh, W I F. Tony, who is currently moving up your draft board as we head out here?
2: Well, I got to tell you, the guy who I'm looking at, who's moving up my draft board, is Toby Gerhardt.
0: Oh, what a dick! <laughs> All right, let's hear it.
2: All right. All right. Think think Michael Turner entering his first year in Atlanta. This, you know, he's another big, strong back. He already knows the schemes. He already knows how to protect his quarterback. So he's gonna be in there every play. All right. He's the guy. Okay. Now, you might talk about their their interior line, but hey, look, they're they're gonna be playing teams that, you know, frankly, they're gonna be playing Tennessee twice a year. They're gonna be they're gonna be playing some teams that have been allowing some runs. All right, so let's take a look at what Toby Gerhardt's going to do. He can catch the ball. For a big guy, he can actually catch the ball and he can pound it on the inside. So, yes, you joke about those 300 carries, but this guy's got some fresh legs. He's 27 years old. And I, you know, we're talking about. Where we like a guy. That's what's more important. Not how much we like him, but how much we like him for where we can get him. Do I like him as a top 12 guy the first round or the first half of the second round? No, absolutely not. But for his value, for where you get him, absolutely. I've got him coming off the board. 52nd pick overall. So we're talking... We can get this guy in the fourth round. This is your RB2, possibly even your RB3 if you go uh, running back heavy, but put him as your RB2. So fine, you end up with a Jamal Charles in the first round eh, or LaShawn McCoy or somebody deeper like a uh, or like a Le'Veon Bell or an Eddie Lacy. And then your number two guy is going to get 300 carries. He's going to get all the goal line work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Put him on my team in the fourth round, early fourth round, where you can still get him. That's a value. You've got two stud wide receivers in rounds two and three and bookended by two stud running backs. All right. Sounds good to me.
1: John, I'm surprised that more people aren't talking about this guy. Uh, I'm sticking with the running backs here, and and I'm looking at, you know, multiple lists here, and they have the low 30s, 30, 31, 32 uh, behind guys like Joyke Bell and Shane Vereen and, and Bishop Sankey, for Christ's sake. Pierre Thomas, this guy is the starting running back in New Orleans. I know that Mark Ingram might get some carries, but but both Pierre Thomas and Darren Sproles had over 70 catches last season. And guess what? Darren Sproles is gone, and there was no replacement for him. So, you know, I, I agree. I think we both love Brandon Cooks. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that Cooks is going to get some of that Sproles work. But uh, – Pierre Thomas is a, is a legit chance to lead all running backs in receptions this year in a, in a PPR league. That's dominant, and he's gonna get more carries. He's gonna have a bigger part of the offense. I, I'm shocked that Pierre Thomas isn't getting more love. That
0: is a great steal right now, guys. Listen to James because that, I mean, that is very very under, undervalued. I know every Joique Bell's gonna be good, especially if you know Reggie Bush has his normal uh, whatever two to three game layoff. There, he's always a good pickup for that but Pierre Thomas is always solid touchdowns uh, around the goal line. I was going to go Brandon Cooks because I love him so much. It's kind of an obvious one. I, I mean, he's been lighting up the scrimmages for the Saints. Been- yeah, they called him
1: – I read I read a quote that called him the human highlight reel. Yeah,
0: I mean, he is ridiculous. I'm just going to say this. If you are drafting early, dr- reach just a tiny bit for him. If you're drafting this week or next week over the weekend, some right now, I, I-, I would – I am starting to think that that could be your rookie breakout wide receiver in that offense um, because he's going to be a playmaker there. The other guy that I wanted to talk about just for a a slight second, I'm not a big fan of Bill O'Brien. I know James is. But the tight end situation down there, there's not a lot of talk of Garrett Graham. Uh, I think that could be a potential great steal. He's moving up my board a little bit. Bill O'Brien works in a lot of two tight end sets. Obviously, much like the Patriots do. I wonder where he got that from. Um, him and uh, the kid that they got from Iowa, CJ Fedorowicz, who my grandmother used to change his uh, diapers, by the way, FYI. Uh, hey uh, uh those two guys, keep an eye out for them because I do think that he is going to use a lot of tight ends there. I know Kubiak was in love with him. Bill O'Brien will uh, is basically running Bilicek's offense anyway. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, I wouldn't mind taking a flyer of those guys late round. But uh, yeah, for myself, uh, John Barchard, for Mr. James Zeltzer, and Mr. Tony Casali, we thank you so much for listening to This Week in Fantasy. This episode of This Week in Fantasy has been brought to you by Eagles Almanac, the 2014 edition. The Eagles Almanac includes detailed analysis, essays, scouting, statistics, and more from the likes of Shio Kapadia, Tim McManus, Jimmy Kemsky, Tommy Lawler, and Bleeding Green Nation's own Brandon Lee Gowton. You'll get in-depth access to the play breakdowns of Chip Kelly's dynamic offense, see how LaShawn McCoy can build on his record-setting season, seeing exactly what Nick Foles' ceiling is, and of course, your guide to the important art of buying an Eagles jersey. The 2014 Eagles Almanac. Grab it now at EaglesAlmanac.com.